I hope this morning is... Kids. Kids, you're welcome to stay, but if you want to go to children's church, you can. Brian, I thought you were volunteering to come up and sing a song with your family. I hope this morning brought some joy to your day. Has it? Your smiling faces would answer that for me. Have you ever given a puppy for Christmas or received one? Maybe you're still waiting for Christmas Day, hoping that that's what you'll find under the tree. If you haven't given or received one, maybe you've at least seen a commercial or you've seen it in a movie. The super cute, tiny, tiny, cuddly, fuzzy ball, usually wearing a bright red bow, is peeking out of a box or maybe peeking around a corner, waiting for shouts of joy from a little boy or a little girl or from a big boy or a big girl who's excited to have a puppy. Having dog kisses, it's clumsy paws running all around the room. Even the Grinch couldn't resist the warmth of his little dog, Max. Those were the few times that you saw the Grinch smiled before his Grinchy heart was warmed up. You know what it's like trying to put a puppy in a box if you have experienced that on a Christmas morning or even just getting them into the carrier to take them to the vet. You know what it's like to bundle all of that energy and try to contain it. It doesn't want to be contained. You can't wrap them up a week or two early and put them under the tree. You'd have a big mess in the box. You'd have leaking and all kinds of other problems. A dog, especially a puppy, puppy is just plain uncontrollable in a box. And the people who receive that puppy have caught that joy, have caught that expression of happiness. And they take, them, take him with them as they go to visit family, as they parade them around the neighborhood, as they maybe go back to school. Wherever they are, they want to just show off this puppy and show off their joy. It's contagious. Joy is a lot like puppies. Fortunately, it's not as hairy, and it doesn't make messes on the floor, and it doesn't chew your slippers. But joy overflows, and when you've experienced it, you want to share it with someone else, with as many people as you can. Joy bubbles over, and it affects everyone it comes in contact with. Joy is what we're celebrating this third Sunday of Advent. If you've been journeying with us for the past several weeks, Advent means coming or arrival. And we're looking back at the hope that filled the Israelites as they were waiting for their Messiah, as the love expressed as he came to earth, God with us in his son, Emmanuel. And today we're looking at the joy that was brought and that spread over to everyone that came in contact with that joy. And next week we will look at the peace that God brings to our hearts and to our world. Well, if you'd turn with me once more to the Gospel of Luke, we're going to be in chapter 1. Several weeks ago we talked about Zechariah the priest, and we learned about a story of when... 
to Zechariah and the good news. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of pages still. We're in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 to 15. Zechariah and Elizabeth were really old. Elizabeth was beyond her childbearing years. The couple had never been able to have children. So besides the shock from talking to an actual angel, Zechariah just couldn't get over the fact that his wife was going to have a baby. And as a result, he was literally speechless until the baby was born. He asked for a sign. How can I know this will be true? And the angel said, you will not speak again until the baby comes. Today we're going to look a little bit closer at Elizabeth and at her story. She experienced joy so deeply in the midst of all of these miraculous events. To understand her joy, we have to look a little bit at her pain. For the ancient Jews, children were considered a tremendous blessing. Psalm 127 tells us that children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. For the ancient Jews and for many centuries afterwards, having children was a way of passing on your name and your heritage. And they also provided more hands to handle the daily tasks of life to be able to forge a livelihood, to pass on a trade or a craft to your son, to raise up your daughters, to be married into the village, and to see your children and your grandchildren growing. They were viewed as a gift from God, his blessing and a sign of God's favor. On the other side of that spectrum, to be childless was a source of great frustration. It was sorrow, it was shame. And Elizabeth knew that despair for many years. She probably imagined when she was first married what their home would be like as they had children running around. She dreamed of holding her babies. Perhaps she had started looking at their genealogy and started thinking about names that they could name their sons and daughters. And at first, maybe she just dismissed the lack of pregnancy. Maybe it just wasn't the right time. Maybe there was a pregnancy. Maybe she was filled with joy and hope as she realized a baby was alive in her womb. But maybe something happened. Maybe she lost that baby. Maybe there was a miscarriage. Her hopes and dreams of childhood were crushed. Some of you know what that pain feels like to lose a baby before they come into the world. But over the years, gradually, Elizabeth's hope diminished. She realized that there was something wrong. She would not 
be able to have a baby. And the social stigma, the label that was given to her was barren. It became shameful. It became a permanent mark on her name, on her husband, Zachariah, on their family. And she accepted that status. It was part of her culture. She would never be considered worthy or esteemed the same way as they gathered together with other women in the village. She accepted her fate as a failure in the eyes of her society. Elizabeth still would have known happiness. She was deeply involved in the community life. Her husband, Zachariah, was a priest serving in the temple. But she had to hold that emotional burden beneath the surface. And she and Zachariah remained faithful to God. Luke described them like this. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Even with that pain that she had deep down, she was known in the community as someone blameless, someone who feared the Lord, who obeyed the Lord's commands. This is how they planned to live out the rest of their old age, just continuing to serve God, to serve their community, the people around them. And then God came. On an ordinary day, Zechariah was at work serving in the temple. It says that he was offering up incense while the people outside were praying and lifting up their prayers. And on that day, the angel Gabriel showed up out of the blue with this miraculous message. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. He will be great before the Lord. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah couldn't even speak to tell his wife what the angel had said. Maybe he wrote it out in a tablet. Maybe he went home and tried to act out charades and was saying, his wife saying, you think I'm getting fat? Thanks. <laughs> Maybe it took a while for it to sink in. What, is, what are you trying to say to me, Zachariah? What is this? It seemed too good to be true. Hope must have kicked in her heart like the thump of a baby in the womb. Could she even allow herself to go there? Could she open up her heart to the possibility after hoping and waiting and longing and praying for so long only to be let down again and again? From what we read in Luke's account, it seems that Elizabeth had an easier time accepting this miracle and this news, even more so than her husband. Zachariah doubted it and remained speechless. But while she became pregnant, she glorified God, saying, In verse 25, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. You can hear again the pain in her voice that she had held this disgrace for so many years. God, thank you for taking this away, for bringing joy to me. It's curious in this passage in Luke that it tells us that Elizabeth spent the first five months of her pregnancy secluded. We don't know exactly why. Maybe she wanted to make sure that the baby was healthy and was going to come further to full term. Maybe she was afraid of telling everyone again and then seeing her hopes dashed. 
Maybe it was her way of sharing with her husband's silence. He couldn't talk about it, so she didn't either. We don't know exactly. But we do know that after the sixth month of her pregnancy, she experienced a deep encounter with joy because of the coming Messiah, whose human life had just sprung to life through the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. As we talked about last week, young Mary left her home shortly after having her own angelic visit. She left Joseph in despair, wondering, what's God doing? Why is Mary pregnant? I don't understand this. And Mary went to see her cousin, Elizabeth, for three months. As soon as she arrived, look down to verse 41. Elizabeth's baby recognized the Messiah nearby, and the baby leaped in her womb for joy. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Her joy overflowed, and she greeted Mary with a beautiful, insightful blessing. Verses 42 to 45. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believes that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The puppy was out of the box. Joy was overflowing. And these two women who had the greatest privilege on all of earth to bring about the prophet who would be the forerunner of the Messiah and then for Mary to carry God himself to bring joy, peace, and love to the world. Mary burst into her own song of praise and thanksgiving and she gave words to the miracle happening within her. Finally, she understood and believed and was affirmed because not only did she hear it from an angel, but now here's her cousin rejoicing and telling her, you have the Messiah growing within you. You are going to bring birth to God's greatest gift. More than anyone else in the entire world, these two women understood each other. They shared a joy that could no longer be contained, no matter how difficult the circumstances, no matter how hard things had been in the past, Mary still had to go home to Joseph, not knowing what she was going to find. Was, she ready, was he ready to accept her? Would he marry her? Emmanuel, God with us, had unleashed joy on the earth, and that joy was rippling outward. Elizabeth gave birth to John three months later, and the joy of her miracle spread throughout the village, throughout her family, In verse 57, we read that her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Here's this joy spilling over and encouraging more people. Perhaps there's no greater joy than that of a mother holding her newborn child. For Elizabeth, that joy was especially overwhelming. She had experienced a miracle And it had healed a lifetime of hurt, pain, disrespect, and shame. God healed all of that. And it was just the beginning of the miracles that she would witness for the rest of her lifetime. 
What would you give to experience that kind of joy? To see the scars, the shame of your life washed away so dramatically? Have you been hurt so deeply that you think it can't possibly happen? We won't have a miraculous event like this occur to us. The Messiah has already come. God has come to earth and expressed love to us. So our families will not see the Messiah born. That level of joy would not come to your life. But Jesus Christ came to earth. He brought joy. He brought peace and healing to anyone who would accept this amazing gift from God. 2,000 years ago today, his life and his joy are still available. They still work miracles in people's lives, erasing shame, eliminating pain, not just pushing it down, but God giving you new life and a new heart. The apostle Peter wrote, and Mike shared this with us, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is joy that we can't even keep in a box. We can't even put it into words. It just pours out of us. It's inexpressible. Joy runs so much deeper than happiness. We love to be happy. Our goal in life is to be happy, to make our kids happy. If only I could just make this person happy. If I could make my parents happy, wouldn't that be so good? They'd be off my back. My parents aren't on my back. But for some of you, that may be how you're feeling. How do I just make this person happy? And you go through your life struggling. What do I have to do? Trying to keep everything just perfect so that when he comes home from work, when she wakes up in the morning, whatever it is, I'm just bringing them happiness. We all love to feel good, but happiness comes and goes with the circumstances of our our lives. And we can't ensure happiness for anyone. We can't make it happen. Pursuing happiness for the sake of happiness can be a shallow, self-centered pursuit. Viktor Frankl a Jewish survival of a World War II Nazi concentration camp, said this, it's the very pursuit of happiness that thwarts happiness. If you're chasing after it, your life is going to be filled with disappointment because it's never going to be there all the time. Instead, look for joy. Joy includes happiness, but it runs so much deeper. It permeates into our souls Our lives, the stuff of joy looks like the birth of one of your children, maybe your wedding day, being declared free from cancer, a loved one coming out of the hospital with no permanent damage. Those are moments of joy. It's rooted in gratitude, in meaning, in hope fulfilled, and especially when it's based on our relationship with our Creator. Joy comes from God with us. Jesus is the true source of the deepest joy, eternal joy. Peter called it inexpressible and glorious. As Jesus explained to his disciples, 
when he knew that his death and resurrection were imminent, he said, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. As we turn our eyes expectantly to Jesus in this Advent season, as we walk with him, as we look forward to the day when he will come again and fulfill his healing work, we can experience joy in the process. We can know with confidence that an even greater unending joy awaits us one day. One day we will receive complete joy in full when we see him face to face. Compared to happiness, one of the characteristics of joy that I hope you take away this morning is that it defies circumstances. Happiness comes and goes, but joy flows deep, even in the face of challenge, even in hardship, in suffering. Joy drawn from Jesus, God with us, sees the big picture and is beyond our immediate pain. James, the brother of Jesus, said it at the beginning of his book, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God will give you everything you need. So when a problem comes along, instead of saying, There goes my happiness. We can look at that and say, God, you've allowed this trial. It's going to strengthen my faith. And the people around me, if they can see a deep joy and a deep faith in you through whatever I'm going through, that's going to make it worth it all. Because I know you are with me in every trial. You're with me no matter what is going on. Joy understands that there's more than meets the eye. God is always at work, even in the tough things in our lives. Eventually, God will make it right. He will heal and we will be whole. This whole earth, his creation, will experience peace. The Old Testament calls that shalom. Everything will be made right again. There will be reconciliation, not only between man and God, but within his creation, there will be a new creation, perfect and right again. That's the ultimate joy that we're going to see. Before we close today, I want you to look at one more aspect of joy as we continue in our Advent observance. And that's the fact that joy can be a choice. It can be an action. We talk about that with love. Love is not just a feeling. If you relied on that, then you'd be in and out of love every day. Love is a choice to put someone in high esteem, to think about their needs above your own, to care so deeply about that person that you would do anything for them. That's love. That's God's love. And joy is like that. Every time you see the word rejoice in the Bible, it's saying, be joyful. Choose joy. We talked about Mary in the previous weeks, about the time that she spent with Elizabeth. Elizabeth was overcome with joy. And she shared that with Mary. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful 
of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. The key word here again is rejoices. It's the verb form of joy, to be joyful. And she chose that. In her circumstances where her husband had said, I don't know what's going on where the people in her village were questioning, how can you be pregnant, Mary, when you haven't been with your husband? Who is it? Who's the father? All of these people are looking at her, her and she's feeling shame. She's feeling disgraced. And in, in that environment, with all of those things going on, she chose to rejoice in God, her Savior. She knew that God was at work in the midst of all of these difficulties, the things that look like they'll never be worked out in her life. God was at work. She embraced joy and she focused on the big picture. Even though her role in that picture was difficult, even though it would not be easy for her, a young girl. In a similar way, in our own situations, in the seasons of our lives, we can do the same thing. We can choose joy. We can rejoice. We can embrace the miracle of God with us when we align our vision with his vision. When we face trials and we count them as joy, knowing that he's at work in our lives. On the screen are some of the verses that remind us of this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and troubles. And be constant in prayer. The message is the same. We have reason for joy because God is with us. And we can choose to recognize that his goodness and his blessings each and every day of our lives, no matter what is going on around us, we can choose joy. But first of all, We can't choose that joy unless we've chosen to accept God's gift of love, the greatest Christmas gift ever, the ending of our season of Advent of longing and waiting is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It flows so deeply within our spirits because our King, our Savior, promises to always be with us, always be working no matter what is going on in our lives. Jesus Christ, the baby in a manger, grew up to be a man who accepted the mission of love and service to others and finally accepted the ultimate, the will of God that he should give up his own life for the sake of us, to pay the penalty for our sins, to heal all of those hurts, all of those wounds in our lives, Jesus gave his own life. He paid the penalty for our sins, our brokenness, and he offers you eternal life, joy and peace that passes understanding. If you're ready to accept this amazing gift of eternal life from God, let that be the first gift of Christmas for you. Come talk to me about that. As Mark comes and we prepare to close in song today, please bow your heads as we talk to our amazing God. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for bringing joy 
into the lives of everyone who reaches out to you and accepts your gift of love. We thank you of these stories in scripture of how you changed the lives of everyone that knew Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and even his cousin John, the prophet who told people, behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. Elizabeth rejoiced, Mary rejoiced, and that joy spilled over into their communities, into their nation, as people accepted your gift of love and eternal life. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, may your joy be abundant and full, overflowing to those around you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, we pray. Amen.